we doing? Good. It is uh, the weekend of celebrating Veterans Day. And so would all of the veterans in the house this morning please just rise and stand so that we can honor you. We, uh, we just want to say thank you for bravely doing what you're called to do so we can safely do what we're free to do. Amen. Just remain standing. Everybody, just go ahead and stand this morning, and we will say the Lord's Prayer together. We'll have it up on the screen behind me here. It begins with the words, Generations United Church says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. The title of today's message is to be basic is to be mature. To be basic is to be mature. And so I want to talk to you about my uh, injured cervix. Uh, I want to talk to you about a table altar. And I want to talk to you about a uh, highway patrolman who pulled me over on October 23rd at 11.28 a.m. on Highway 20. That's what it says anyhow on this piece of paper. Um, so, uh, didn't tell my wife about that. So I wanted to tell her in the presence of all of you in case it doesn't go well. Uh, and in the middle of all that, I want to uh, just riff for a little bit on what I think it means to be a mature disciple here at Gen U. So we were sitting in a staff meeting um, with our pastoral team and our, our, uh, our whole staff, and I asked the question, what does it mean to be a, ma a mature disciple here at Generations United? So a disciple is kind of a, it's a lost word, really, in a lot of ways. So if you're a disciple of a, let's say, uh, like a master craftsman, you would apprentice with that master craftsman. If you're a disciple of a uh, shrimp boat operator, you'd probably get on there and you'd learn to pull it in and call and learn how the thingy-ma-bobbers work, and you would become a disciple. of that. You're learning a craft from a person who is proficient at the craft. So we were, we were discussing what does it mean to be a disciple, and uh, we, there's probably eight or nine people in the room, and we all wrote down our three things that we thought it meant to be a disciple. And I pulled from this person and this person, put them all up on the board. And we all said the three same things with different language. We expressed it in different ways, but it boiled down to this. Here's what we think it means to be a mature disciple of Jesus here at Genu. We think it means to know God. We think it means to live connected. And we think it means to make a difference. To know God which I like that. Know God. Not, love God, I like that. But love is a lost word in many ways. It's like I have affectionate feelings for God. It, to know God. If you know God, you'll love God. Some people, quote unquote, love God, but they don't really know God. So to know God, live connected, and make a difference. And that's going to be the framework. And I'll tell you about my injured cervix and a table altar and also the highway patrolman within that framework. So let's start with know God for just a second. Do you ever ask yourself, like, do you ever stop to think about yeah, it, this happens to me. It'll probably never happen to you. But it happens to me that sometimes I walk in this building, especially whenever I'm alone in here, 
and there's no lights, there's, there's nothing, and it's just, it's just like a box, right? So this building is just, you're sitting in a metal box. It could have been a bowling alley, we turned it into a church, right? So it's, it's a metal box that you're sitting in, and you walk in here this morning, you might have an iPhone or an Android device. You're a very sophisticated person. But when you think about what you're actually doing, like what's the thing up underneath the thing? You're all sitting here, you're looking at me, you're listening, there's lights, there's a light haze in the room. It's a great ambient atmosphere. And yet you walked into, all of you walked into a metal box in order to worship a deity. Are you tracking, dude, in the salmon color shirt right there with your phone? You're with me. You got that. He's like, yep. You walk into a metal box on a Sunday morning in order to worship a deity. Okay, and sometime during the day, in fact, I've already used the word where I talked about the word, what, altar. We might talk about making a sacrifice of praise. We talked about making an offering. Do you ever just stop to think that I just walked into a big box with a bunch of people in order to worship a deity and make an offering and perhaps a sacrifice, maybe even at an altar? Does that feel a little primitive to anybody but me? That, that goes way back. That goes back to cave women and cavemen doing art on walls, like drawing let's say, a cow that they offered up to a deity and there's blood and they give thanks so that they can please the deity so that they can get more for their family and they can serve. Does that make sense? Like the thing up underneath the thing is pretty ancient. It's millions of years old or 6,000 years old, depending on which side you want to fall. But it's pretty old, that desire, the thing up underneath the thing. We've been going about knowing God for a long time. But I think the ways that we've gone about knowing God, although the trappings change, there are no calves killed on any altar today. Here, so far as we know, yet, but the service is not over, right? The thing up underneath the thing, though, is I think the same is that we go about knowing God in three primary ways. There might be more. And if there's a fourth, maybe you'll get to share one day, right? But here, here are a few ways we go about knowing God. The first, I think, is that we, we know God through our performance. We try to know God through our performance. It's the God that we try to please through our performance. So we talk here about love, acceptance, and forgiveness, all right? So where's my nifty little pen? It's been raptured. Okay, so we talk about knowing God. So we try and get, we try and get love. Let's say this is love, acceptance, and forgiveness right here. Does that make sense? You got that? All right, now you come over here, and this is me right here. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get love, acceptance, and forgiveness by the way that I perform. So if I live right, if I do the right things, act the right way, then I try to get love, acceptance, and forgiveness. I'm trying to get into love, acceptance, and forgiveness by the way that I perform. Now, this, this is like a transactional way of approaching God. If I do this, then God will LAF me, love, accept, and forgive me. The only problem is the more keen and aware that I become of my performance, the, the more scrutinous I, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that, 
Okay, I can stop cussing, but I can't stop having bad thoughts. And when I stop having bad thoughts, what about the motives in my heart? And you just get to the bottom to where you feel like there's just never an end to all of the confession and all of the things that I've got to get right so that I can get love, acceptance, and forgiveness. It's a transactional approach to loving God. If I do this, then the deity will love, accept, and forgive me. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Salmon shirt man, does that make sense? All right, so with me. All right, so let's go. Uh, that's, that's way one. And let's go to the second way, okay? The second thing is if I just believe the right thing, then this God will love, accept, and forgive me. So let's, let's do some more doodling here for just a second. So here we have, oh, I don't like that. Hang on just a second. Okay, right, let's start here. So here we are. Now we have love, acceptance, and forgiveness. And then here I am over here. And they tell me in church, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you put your faith in Jesus right now, forgive all of your sins, and then God will love, accept, and forgive you. You'll be a disciple of Jesus. You'll go to heaven whenever you die. Okay, yay. So now I'm in. I believe the right thing. I did what they told me to do. And now I'm loved, accepted, and forgiven. And it becomes like a state. Like I'm loved, accepted, and forgiven. And I just stay right here. I live in love, acceptance, and forgiveness. And the deity accepts me. Why does the deity accept me? Because I thought the right thoughts and I had a moment, right? So now I stay right here, and I'm loved, accepted, and I'm forgiven. Does that make sense? Okay. So I think that there's also a third way. So I'm going to go out of that. I don't know what I'm doing. Can you make it go to the next one? Okay. Look at that. All right. So the third way is the God who is pleased with you, the God who love, acceptance, loves, accepts, and forgives you, and then like invites you into a journey. No, I want to draw it one more time here. Let's see. All right. So good. Okay. So we start right here. Okay, that's too big. It'll work. Okay, so we go, this is love, this is acceptance and forgiveness, and here I am right here. And so now I put my faith and trust in Jesus, and so I am loved, accepted, and forgiven. I'm right here, okay? So I'm in here, but now we're combining the first two. So I, I've, I believe the thing with my whole heart, not just some mental thing, with my whole heart. And in the first one, we were talking about performance, but I don't stay here, right? So I'm loved, accepted, and forgiven. This is the fundamental nature of who I am. This is the core of how God sees me. I'm loved, accepted, and forgiven. And because I'm loved, accepted, and forgiven, you know what happens is I continue to grow. Look at me growing up right here. That's me. I'm bigger. I'm loved. I'm accepted. I'm forgiven. I don't just stay in this nice little bubble to where I'm like, this is what I am, because that's just as transactional as the first one. If I do this, then God will love me. If I think these thoughts, then God will love me. What if you put your whole faith in Christ and then from that you grow and mature? Does that make sense? So love, acceptance, and forgiveness isn't something I'm constantly trying to get to. It isn't something that I get by thinking happy thoughts. It's something when I put my faith and I surrender my life, then from that I grow and I mature. You smelling what I'm cooking? Does that make sense? All right. So the, circle, the third circle, this one right here, is where I think that the mojo is. I think this is where... This is where the Lord is inviting us as disciples is to begin from a place of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and to grow and to mature. The problem is that third option right there is not programmatic. It's not like if I just do the right things or think the right thoughts or show up for the right programs, then I will have the experience that I want. Programs are just containers. 
So I've talked about this in another setting before, but there's, there's an epiphany that often happens. We have an awakening. We have an aha moment. We have an encounter with the divine. We have a moment of prayer where we're like, I know God is real. Or God shows up in a way where you're like, oh, this must be God. And so then we're like, what do we do with this? Well, I need a container to contain the epiphany so that I can have that on an ongoing basis because you don't want the epiphany to escape, right? So one of the containers that we have for the epiphany is this. So you have an encounter with God and then you come into the container, the program, on a weekly basis. Now, it's more than a program, but for some, it is the thing. The container becomes the epiphany. The program becomes the thing that it's all about. So I come here into a box on a Sunday morning and I think the happy thoughts and I sing the happy words, but have I really come here to encounter God? I think the answer for many of us is yes, but for some of us it's no. So let's not confuse attending church, the program, with growing in God or knowing God. More church does not equal more God. Oh, that was so basic. More church does not equal knowing God more. Amen. It's like, that's like naming the right pain in the wrong way. Like you have this ache for God inside of you and you're like, I'll just show up for church. Well, that might not even help. In fact, if you run into the wrong church person, it might hurt. Naming the right pain in the wrong way. So the other day I was out playing some football with Seth and his cousins and my brother. And I was the all-time quarterback mainly because I can't run that fast. And so I rolled, rolled to my left and then I faked back to my right. And when I did, something happened right back here that I went, oh, it sent me to my knees. I had to get them to help me hobble off of the field. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just 40. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. It'll be okay. So I go home. I'm laid up. Liz is applying heat and cold and icy hot and prayer and all kinds of stuff. And I, the, the next day was Sunday. So I got in the car, made my way here, never realized how low my car set until I had to fold myself into that thing, right? So I got here and somebody's like, well, you should just talk to, we'll call him Bill because Bill won't want you asking for him advice from him in church all the time. You should talk to Bill. He's a physical therapist. So I said, hey, Bill, I've got this pain right back here. He's like, let's go in the prayer room. So we went into the prayer room. He's like, lay down on the couch. So it's a dimly lit room with a nice little lamp in the corner with some Jesus quotes on the wall. So I'm laying, I'm laying on the couch. I'm facing the backside of the couch and he's here. He's rubbing all down here. He's stretching. He's pulling on some stuff. He's like, yeah, I think you, I think you've got just some muscle issue right there in the, the pelvic region region, the pelvis region. I said, well, I'll go to my chiropractor tomorrow. So I went to the chiropractor the next day. I walked in. She said, you look like you're in pain. I said, yes. Yeah. She said, well, lay down right here. She said, where, where does it hurt? I said, it's right, right back here in my cervix. It's right here. She said, where? And you know, like when you're talking to somebody who doesn't speak English, you just say it a little slower and a little louder. It's right here in my cervix. She said, you don't have a cervix. I said, it's killing me. My cervix is, she said, that's your pelvis. Men don't have cervixes. So whatever it is, can you fix it? So she moved some stuff and my cervix started feeling a lot better afterward. I was naming the right pain in the wrong way. 
I was naming the right pain in the wrong way. You see, we come here week after week after week, and what we're after is not more church. What we're after is more Jesus. You see, we can go to church for 20 years, and if we're not growing and maturing, we can be a one-year-old maturity-wise Christian with 19 years of experience. See, the thing that we're after is not more church, it's more Jesus. It's knowing God, knowing God, knowing God. Like you walk, you want to know God. That's what you want. You want to know God. You ask, how do I go about doing this? I think it starts with desire. I think desire is like, it's, it's the thing that the spirit really works with most. I think desire is that thing. God looks at you and goes, she doesn't know anything about the Bible, but look at her heart. That guy, he's got 14 addictions, but he's still desiring to know me. Oh, desire is like, desire is the thing that I think the spirit works with. So in our effort to know God, I want to give you a tip. Start with desire, and then tomorrow morning, pick a specific time, a sacred space, and have a single focus. Every day. A specific time. Well, it's generally quiet in the house at about 5 a.m. I want to get up at 5 a.m. in a sacred space. That's just a space that you like, the back porch, your office, a trail, whatever it is. And then maybe you put in your earbuds and you go for a walk while you're listening to the scripture. Maybe it's while you're at the gym. Whatever it is, I want to encourage you to have a specific time, a sacred space, and a single focus. And come to that, not to read the Bible, but to let the Bible read you. Not just to say some words to God, but to draw near to God and say, God, I love you. I need you. I desire you. I want to know you. All right. That's basic, but to be basic is to be mature. I'm stealing that line from Paul the Apostle. He, he wrote it in Colossians. To be basic is to be mature. Christ, nothing more, nothing less. All right. Second, live connected. Let's talk about how we live in Christian community. When I think of community, I think of tables. When I think of tables, I think of Jesus at the Last Supper, breaking bread, pouring a cup of wine, and saying, this is my body, this is my blood, even in the presence of one who would betray him. When I think of community, I think of people that you might not know, but actually their sister was up here singing right over here, Autumn Francis. I think of Britt and Rhonda Francis opening up their home and some friends inviting me into a home group around 1997 and sitting around a table and sitting in a living room and breaking open the scriptures and me not even being a disciple of Jesus saying, would you pray for me about this? I'll take any help I can get. Would you pray for me about that? And them loving me and wrapping their arms around me and saying, we've got you, we love you. That was Christian community. When I think of Christian community, I think of the home group that we had a couple weeks ago in my house, where we were reading through Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, on and on to where he guides me into right paths for his namesake. And somebody said, I need some guidance right now in a particular area. And somebody else said, I've actually walked that path before, and here's where the Lord met me. And then somebody had a word for a person who had lost a loved one who was walking a difficult path internally. And all of a sudden, through tears and smiles and food and prayer, the Holy Spirit showed up in the room. And that's Christian community. It's celebrating Christ in our midst. Christian community is not equal with a small group necessarily. Christian community is something that happens when the people of God gather together 
in Christ. You go, well, I, I don't, I, 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 I've gone to a small group before. I showed up for the small group. I listened to what they said. I left and I didn't get anything out of it. That's because you're viewing community as a commodity. But what if community is not a commodity that you can take or leave? What if you actually bring something to the community and say, I'm going to come and bless somebody else? Community is not convenient. There will never be enough time to have Christian community in your life. If you don't start with community, you won't find it. Christian community is grown up. I I think it's so fundamental to who we are because the Trinity is actually a community. It's a community of love. God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The old timers, way older than us old timers, the old timers way back when, used to use a word to describe, a metaphor to describe the community of the Trinity. You know what it was? It was perichoresis. You knew that. Perichoresis. Shake your head if you knew that. Salmon shirt guy's like, I didn't know that. Perichoresis. Peri means about, concerning, or around, if my Greek serves me right. Choresis comes from the word I think is choreo, and that means like a uh, choreography. So they would describe the Trinity not as like an org chart, like God the Father with a beard up here, and then the Son's over here with a smaller beard, and then the Spirit's all around in the middle of it somehow. PowerPoint charts and hierarchies don't work. Why? Because the metaphor of perichoresis that the early church mamas and daddies gave to us is this. It's of a circle dance. It's of the Trinity as a circle dance. You get that circle dance going fast enough, you don't, I better be careful, you don't know where one ends and the other begins. Why? Because it's not about hierarchy. No, it's about interplay. It's about movement. It's about dance. You see, you are formed from a divine dance. And community is where the dancers come together in Christ to celebrate the Christ in their midst. A give, a take. When you have nothing to give, you receive. When you've been filled up to overflowing, you give. You comfort others with the comfort with which you've been comforted. Why? So that they can find comfort through you. But don't confuse, again, the container with the epiphany. Because we're not about small groups. That's just a container where community happens. What you want is Christian community. You go, well, that's basic, yeah. But to be basic is to be mature. Tables are sacred spaces. My rabbi friend tells me, whenever the sparks flew from the temple in AD 70, when the house of God was destroyed, that the sparks landed at tables all over the world, and now every table is an altar. The future of Christian ministry, I don't think, will be larger buildings, but longer tables. Let me say that again. The future of Christian ministry, I don't think, will be larger buildings. I think it'll be longer tables. Yeah. So at GenU, we hope you live connected. We hope you'll start a group. We hope in the springtime you'll join a group. Now the third, make a difference. Let's think about how we think about ministry. I think about ministry... And I think that, our, I think that our, our purest, our most authentic ministry flows often from our deepest pain. I think that our greatest ministry can flow from our deepest pain. The thing that you care about. The thing that you ache for. The thing that you gripe about. Why are you so gripey about the way that Organization X does or does not treat single mamas. Oh, that might be a call, actually. 
You see, when Jesus was born, what happened at his birth? A lot of things. A lot of things happened, but one of the things that happened was they killed all the babies two years old and younger in his little town, right? They killed him. You know that story, right? Small little area, killed a bunch of people, a few dozen, who knows? So he, he grows up in that area, looks around the playground, and he's like, where are the boys my age? Somebody says to him, oh, well, when you were born, psychotic king put out a, uh, an edict that uh, all of the baby boys two years old and younger were going to be killed. They were aiming for you. Apparently, they missed. And so Jesus grows up hearing that at his birth, a bunch of babies were killed, right? And so Jesus goes on and on. And what does he do later? Whenever the gospels are written, they record it for us. Everywhere he goes, he just seems to be fond of kids. Not like some weird old man with a beard. No. Jesus, Jesus is just fond of kids. Oh, look at that. You want to know what the kingdom of God is like? It's like a kid playing on the uh, monkey bars over there. That's what it's like. Oh, it's like that kid over there. You see how she's just running up and down the road? See how they're just playing hopscotch? That, oh, the kingdom is like a dance. Oh, the kingdom is where you trust. Oh, the kingdom is where you're open. Oh, the kingdom is where you're alive. It's where you have faith in God. Nobody has to explain it to you because you can't comprehend the mysteries. You just accept it. And so Jesus spends the rest of his life, I think, ministering out of the pain that happened at his birth. You go, well, Jesus didn't feel pain. Oh, bullarky. He was a man of many sorrows, acquainted with grief, yeah? I think that sometimes our most authentic and deepest ministry comes out of our deepest pain. So I was driving down the road on Highway 20 at 1128 on October the 23rd. And uh, apparently in front of Dolphin Cove, uh, that's what it says right here. And uh, so she's wondering how expensive was it? Um, so <laughs> driving down the road and uh, I see a, a particular law enforcement brand of officer coming the other way. And I did what guy in the Salmon shirt would do. I slammed on my brakes. That's what you should not do because it says, I'm guilty, even if you're not going the speed limit. Nose of your car goes down, it's a telltale sign. So I, I, I went ahead and just pulled on over. He's still going the other way. I'm like, I'm hosed. I know I'm hosed. I pulled over on the side of the road, got my license registration, had both hands holding it out the window, right? <laughs> Throws on his lights, turns around, pulls up behind me, gets out of the car, license registration. He's like, uh, I'll send your insurance. I'm like, it's on the underside. He's like, oh, well, thanks. And so he says, uh, you knew you were going too fast, didn't you? I said, actually, I don't know how fast I was going. He said, then why did you slam on your brakes? I said, it's what I do when I see people like you. <laughs> slam on my brakes. It's what everybody does, right? And so, well, except for you, of course, because you've trained yourself not to panic, right? But me, I step on the brakes and uh, I said, listen, I said, I've got a lot on my mind. I'm going to work. I'm not a bad guy. You can pull my record. He goes back there. He looks at everything. It's like an eternity, right? You're sitting there waiting. How big is it going to be? How bad is it going to be? It felt like 10 minutes to me. It was probably like three, but it felt like a long time. Comes walking back up with his clipboard, and he has a white piece of paper in his hand. He said, I'm going to give this to you. And uh, he said, I, I usually don't let somebody off for going as fast as you were going in a 45 mile an hour limit. He said, but I'm going to I'm going to issue you a warning. 
I said, thank you so much. You have no idea how bad my cervix has been hurting back there. I said, this is such a... No, I said, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I said, you didn't have to do that. I said, I, I was just distracted. I was just distracted. I was just thinking about things. And he, and he looked at me. Here's what he said. And it wasn't what he said. It was how he said it. It was almost like he had a tear in his voice, but there were none in his eyes. And he looked at me and he said, please be careful. Please be careful. And we talked for a little while longer. I said, thank you. I said, I, I, need, I need to be more aware. And he said it one more time. He said, sir, please be careful. And it's not what he said, but it's how he said it. It's like that officer doubtless had pulled up on too many scenes. And with, with, with an ache in his heart, looked at me, a husband, a father, and said, please, be careful. I don't know where that man stands in his faith with anything. But I know in that moment, he ministered to me out of the authority that he had because of the experience that he had been through. See, your pain, when you allow God to work you through, it actually gives you the authority to be able to speak from experience into the lives of those who need it. So I, th I think that if we're open to it, God might use us to wake other people up. You see, some of us are, and you could pick any ministry. You, the, the one you experience the most is greeters. I love our greeters. They're great. But a greeter who is awake is different than a greeter who is asleep. Number one, they're probably standing upright. But number two, what I mean by awake is a greeter sees the person that's coming in the door. They actually see them. I don't mean they see them. I mean they see them. Does that make sense? You know when, you know when that person sees you and says, Good morning. Good morning, Salmon Shirt guy. Good morning. Here. Oh, she's been a little fussy this morning, hasn't she? Pulls out the lollipop. Love a greeter with a lollipop. You know what I mean? What you're not wanting to do is just sign up for a ministry team. What you're wanting to do is minister. If there's not joy in it, if there's not flow in it, if, there, if there's not a sense of, I'm not just going to go through the motions while I'm wiping rear ends in the nursery, while I'm setting up cones, while I'm welcoming people at the door, while I'm praying for people, while I'm playing and singing, and even, I would dare say, preaching. Because I know a lot of preachers. Well, let's just say I've known some. That amidst all... You can, you can hide from God better as a preacher than you can just sitting out there in the pews. Because you use God to hide from God. So what you want to do is actually know God, right? And from that, you want to live connected. And from that, you want to make a difference. Ministry happens when the Christ in you touches another person. It's the overflow of a spirit-filled life. It will feel authentic. So greeters is just the vehicle. Nursery is just the vehicle. Setup team is just the vehicle. Cafe, that's just the vehicle. It's just the vehicle where the epiphany can come into the room and a person can experience Christ through you. So our conclusion today, our hope is that you will grow as a disciple at Generations United.
That's our only mission, is that you will grow as a disciple at GNU. We want you to know God, we want you to live connected, and we want you to make a difference. But I'll tell you this, the foundation of it all is your relationship with Jesus. I wish I could say that in a different way because it sounded so cliche. Is there another way to say that, Luke? If, if, you don't, if, you don't, if you don't cultivate the knowing of God, then your community, is going to, your community life is going to be shallow and your ministry life is going to be hollow. And then church just is another container where you come over and over and over again. What we're doing is coming into the room going, God, I want to know you. I want to... Because otherwise, ministry is just downloading some do-good on somebody. If you start at the wrong end of ministry, you just end up, you end up over here to where Jesus just becomes a social justice activist. Jesus brought about social justice with the gospel and cared for the needs of least of these, our sisters and brothers. But so many Christians, it's becoming very popular to start over here in the doing good without the proclamation of the gospel. And so we don't just want to do good. We want to be Christ, which leads us to the doing of good and making a difference and making an impact. We don't want to just show up for a small group and high-five some guys or some girls. We want to show up for a small group and we want to bring the Christ in us to bear into the room. We want to join the dance. I think this involves a daily surrender to the Lord. I think this involves a commitment to community. And I think that this involves being awake to spirit-led opportunities in our day to minister. So a final thought. What if becoming a disciple isn't about gaining more info or being busier with religious activities? What if it's about being transformed into his image as you yield to his spirit? That's as basic as it gets. You go, man, I thought, man, he's only preached twice this year on Sunday morning. I, I sure thought he would have brought something a little more sophisticated than that. That right there is as mature as it gets for me. Jesus, the Christ, nothing more, nothing less. So where, where are we, right? Where are we? Where are we, Benjamin? Right behind Salmon Shirt Guy. Where are we, Joe? Where are we, Tim? Where are we? Where... My heart for us is that we all come together in a moment like this, and it's not just about doing something. It's about encountering, encountering, encountering the living God. And in tomorrow morning, it's about encountering the living God. Has it grown stale? Has it grown stagnant? Have you been going through the same dance motions so long? Maybe you need to do a little different dance. Maybe you need to mix it up a little bit. You're like, my Bible reading is getting old. God, God's bored with your Bible reading too. Open up a different translation. Throw in the earbuds. Go for a run. Prayer is just paying attention to God. There are no rules. Grab your guitar. Get your keyboard out there. While you're cleaning, while you're doing your dishes, you're knowing God. God, I just want to know you. You're like, Tommy, what are you talking about? You can't make knowing God into a formula or a program. It's not a postulate. It's not a theorem. I don't even know what those are anymore. But it's this. It's desire to know the living God in our midst. Has it grown stale? 
Has it grown old? Has it grown boring? It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be because God moves on desire. Are you isolated from community? I don't have time for community. A Christian without community, I, that, that's a dangerous thing. I'll also say a Christian who can't be alone is a dangerous thing. So a Christian without community, that's a dangerous place. But a Christian who can't be alone with God, that's a dangerous place. So what do we want? We want a community of Christians who can live in solitude as well. They can know God, live connected so they can make a difference. Is God wanting to use you? Some of you are like, dude, I, man, my cervix hurts so bad, man. I, don't, I, can't, I can't stand at the door. Listen, let Jesus adjust your pelvis and wake up your heart. You can do something for the Lord. God wants to use you right where you are, whoever you are. Salmon shirt guy included, all right, bro? Hey, could you close your eyes for just a moment? Let's just open up our hands like this and say, God, I need you. Let's just let desire be our prayer for just a moment, okay? Let's let desire be our prayer. Let's just, let's just from our heart, let's just say, God, I need you. And let the Lord speak to you for just a moment about what he wants to do in your life. Have you grown skeptical because of a pain? Is the desire there like it used to be? Have people in the church burned you and you just kind of show up and don't know anybody anymore? Or maybe the church has changed in some ways and it doesn't feel like the church for you it used to be. The Lord's inviting you into community. It's always going to change. The Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Birds of the air have nests. Foxes have holes. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. doesn't mean Jesus didn't have a pillow. It meant Jesus was on the move. The Lord is on the move in this house. The Lord is on the move in this place. Would you just pray whatever it is, God, wake me up. God, help me to find my community here through a small group in the spring or let me start something or let me, let me just seek intentional Christian community. God, use me to make a difference. Father, I pray over my friends, my family and the faith. God, you gave this word to me because you knew I needed this word probably more than them. So I stand up here saying, God, I don't want to... I don't want to just do the same old dance steps. Let's mix this thing up a little bit. Maybe God's saying to you, you know, you keep tripping over yourself because you've got this thing that you won't let go of. It's hard to dance whenever you're bound up with these areas. Okay, okay, fair enough, God. Can you help me do something about it? Can you release me so I can be free to dance? Forgive me of my sins. I wonder if some person would say, you know what, this morning I actually want to become a disciple of Jesus. I want to walk the way of Jesus. I, I actually want to know love, acceptance, and forgiveness, not so I can just go to heaven, but so I can join the dance, so I can get on in a full and meaningful and abundant life. I want God to forgive me of my sins. I want to walk the way of Jesus. I want to follow. Could I see your hand? Where are you? Okay. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Just pray with me. Dear Jesus, forgive me my sins. I love you. I don't even know where to start, but send the Holy Spirit to fill me. I want to follow. I want to know you. 
all the days of my life. I want you to be my Lord, my Savior, my very best friend. Father, thank you for all you're doing. So look up here. Maybe you need prayer for something. I just, I just want to say what Pastor Charlie was singing about and talking about, I'm telling you, if you can know God, then God knows you and God knows what you're going through. So our prayer team will be up here. If you need prayer, come and get prayer for whatever it is, whatever it is. May the Lord bless you and keep you as you go from this house. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen? Amen. amen. God bless you, everyone.